You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Good Friday, Great Sunday, part one of three. Enjoy. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's something I've noticed in my lifetime as the, as the years have gone on. It seems like more holidays have been added to the calendar every year. I mean, I think back to when I was growing up, it seemed like there was just a handful. I looked at a list of holidays celebrated in the United States in the year 2014. It was almost 200 holidays. Isn't that amazing? That's a lot of holidays. Yeah, I mean, you know, when's Mother's Day? May. May? Yeah, when's Father's Day? June. When's Parents' Day? (laughs) Good answer. Your mom and dad need to hear that one. Yeah, there's a Parents' Day. Did you know that? When's Grandparents' Day? There's a Grandparents' Day. Oh, good job. Yeah. When is uh, Leif Erikson Day? How many people know who Leif Erikson is? It's a holiday on the calendar. Uh, how about National Wear Red Day? How about um, National Library Workers Day? When's that? How about um, Stephen Foster Memorial Day? Anyone, does anyone know who Stephen Foster is? Yeah. Can't tell, yeah, great American songwriter. Yeah, so there's a bunch of holidays. And, you know, man with good intentions tends to set aside a special day or even erect a monument to commemorate special people. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the day comes and the monument and, and these special people are celebrated, but the person that they represent, the person that the holiday or the, or the monument represents is not really known. And it's not wrong in of itself to, to have a special day or even to, to erect a monument to commemorate a special person. But a monument or a special day can never take the place of relationship. What are monuments made of? Stone? Yeah, yeah, or, or metal. Have you ever tried to have a relationship with a stone? Yeah, it's rough. It's hard. It doesn't talk back. It doesn't respond. It doesn't give. Holidays can be an important part of our lives. But I've noticed something. I've been walking with the Lord 26 years now. It was my birthday last Sunday. And something that I've noticed about God I've noticed that he's really not about holidays. I mean, when it comes to celebration, he's it. Fullness of joy is in his presence. No one knows how to have fun like he does. No one knows how to celebrate like he does. Real joy comes from knowing him and is found in his presence. But I found something that he's really not about holidays, and that's a word we use now that comes from two old English words, that it, holy days. So we say holidays, but it used to be holy days. You want to hear something crazy? I found out that God's not about holy days. He's about relationship. And I grew up, there were a bunch of holy days that were celebrated, but I found when I started reading the words of Jesus that he's about relationship. I bet you all of us have heard the Ten Commandments at one point in our lives, right? Let's take a look at commandment number one. Eden, if you can bring up Exodus chapter 20. Let's take a look at commandment number one and two. Now, this is God, and this is in the Old Covenant. He says, you shall have no other gods before me. Relationship, right? You shall not make for yourself image, anything that is in heaven above, 
that are in the earth beneath, in the water, you shall not bow to them or serve them. Now, God is obviously talking about a relationship with him. It's not wrong to make a statue to commemorate someone, but it is wrong to try and have a relationship with it or to pray to it, right? Or to look to that statue as if it's God. So I found that God wants us to know him personally. He wants us to have a personal relationship with his person. He wants the person of who he is to be intimately involved in our lives. He wants his person to be an integral part of our lives. So this relationship is really what Highway Church is about. And I don't know if you've seen this or not or realize this or not, but life is not about one day. You can't live life in a day. You can't have a relationship in one day. Life is a series of days, and relationship is that way. My wife and I did not get married so we could have a wedding. We had a wedding so we could be married. You see the difference? See, it was a special day, December 31st, 1994, a day we waited for uh, for a long time. And when that day came, it was very special. And it's a day we'll never forget. But we had that wedding, that special day, so we could spend the rest of our days together. See? And love is that way. Love is so big. Love is so rich. We want to celebrate that resurrection tomorrow and the next day. By getting to know him, by growing closer to him, you're going to misunderstand God if you don't understand his motive. He wants you. That's his motive. He wants you to know him more than anyone else. He wants to be the closest friend in your life. I'll tell you something else might be kind of shocking. See, God's all about relationship. I found out that Jesus didn't come so we could go to heaven. Let's find out why he came. Let's take a look at John chapter 17. Now, at Highway Church, we are big on the words of the real Jesus. Don't take anyone's word for it. I can't tell you how many people in my lifetime have said, well, Jesus said this. And when I started reading his words, I found out he didn't say that at all. There were religious leaders in my life growing up that told me Jesus said something. And at 19, when I started reading the words of the real Jesus, I said, wait a minute. He said the opposite of what they said he said. See, before Jennifer and I were married, probably a year and a half to two years before we were married, we were in different parts of the country and different parts of the world. There was a time when I was in the Chicago area, and she was in uh, Florida, and then she was in northwest Ohio, and I was in Virginia. Then I was in Europe, and she was in Florida. And we didn't have mobile phones. There was no FaceTime. There was no Skype. We wrote letters to each other with pen and paper. And why do we do that? Because I wanted her to receive my words. And I couldn't wait to receive her words. They were her real words. I really didn't want someone else to tell me what Jennifer said. I wanted to hear from Jennifer. And I didn't want someone else to relay to her my message. I wanted to hear the words. But why? Because our words are an expression of our heart. So at Highway Church, we encourage you, don't take someone else's word for it. Go to the real Jesus. We don't have to speculate as to what his heart is. He's revealed it in the scriptures. Read the words of the real Jesus. So check this out. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is the real Jesus talking. 
And he says this, now this is eternal life. Notice that heaven is not anywhere in his definition. This is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That word know that's used there in the scriptures is an idiom that refers to the way in which a husband knows his wife. Oneness and intimacy. So Jesus said, this is eternal life, that they would become one with you, that they would be intimate with you and live their lives in an intimate relationship with you just as a husband lives with his wife. What does a relationship with God the Father look like? As Jennifer said earlier, we're celebrating the resurrection, but what does that look like? We don't have to wonder. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's go there. You can follow along on the screen if you'd like. I'm going to read this verse to you out of four different translations because I wanted you to get the depth of it. John chapter 10, verse 10. Again, these are the words of the real Jesus talking. And we want to be in relationship with the real Jesus. Verse 10, Jesus says, The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. He's making a distinction between himself and others. He said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the heart of the real Jesus towards you. You've got to ask yourself, do I believe that? That might be the first time you've heard that, that Jesus wants me to have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows? In the message translation, Jesus says it this way, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. How big can you dream? What God wants for you is bigger, is more. That's what the real Jesus said. The Weiss translation says it this way. I alone came in order that they might be possessing life and that they might be possessing it in super abundance. Wow. The New Living Translation says this. This is the real Jesus talking. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. No one is more relevant to your life than Jesus. No one has more to do with your well-being than him. And what man's religion has done is put the emphasis on the wrong things. Let's take a look at that in John chapter 11. Let's go to John chapter 11. And let's, we're going to see two perspectives here. We're going to see someone who loves Jesus but has a religious perspective of Jesus. And then we're going to see the real Jesus and his perspective. 
We're going to start in verse 19, but just to give you a little background, these, there, are, there are three of, of Jesus' very close friends. There's Martha and Mary. Mary, not the mother of Jesus, but Mary, the one who, who took that precious, uh, expensive alabaster jar of perfume and broke it at the feet of Jesus and, and worshipped him and anointed him. Uh, that Mary and her sister Martha and, their, Martha and their brother Lazarus, these are the three friends that this story uh, is referring to in John chapter 11. And Martha's and Mary's brother Lazarus became sick and Jesus wasn't there. He was off in another town and he heard about it. And he came back to the town, but by the time he had got back to town, Lazarus had already died. In fact, he, he was in the tomb for four days. And let's pick up in verse 19. And many of the Jews, and we have it on the screens for you as well, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. So in the midst of her grief, she hears Jesus is coming. And that motivates her to go see him. Martha says to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have, had, have died. She had faith to believe that if Jesus was there, he could have been healed. Look at verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. He's been in the tomb now four days. Doesn't matter, does it? Jesus said to her, now here we go, your brother will rise again. Look at Martha's response. Verse 24, Martha says to Jesus, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. When's the last day? Present or future. See, man's religion puts the resurrection life and power of Christ in the past or in the future. Look what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, I am. When is I am? Is that past, present, or future? Yeah, I am is a conjugation of the verb to be. The past would have been I was, right? The present is I am, I will be. He says, I am. She's looking at the future. He's talking about right now. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Martha's still not quite getting it. She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Okay? So we're seeing two different perspectives here. And I, I want to encourage you to cultivate the I am perspective. You see that man's religion has this present, this, excuse me, this future view of God or this past view of God, which is opposed to the right now reality of God to the right now reality that God wants to be intimately involved in your life, that God wants you to experience his resurrection power today. It's not too late. Your problem's not too big, whatever it might be. 
physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, financial. God wants you to experience his resurrection life today, right now. That's who he is. That's our God. So Jesus looks right at Martha, and he loves Martha, and he loves Mary, and he loves Lazarus, and he says, who I am is relevant to your life now. Who I am is relevant to that bad habit that you have that you want to quit. My resurrection life will set you free from that. Who I am is relevant to the depression that you're facing. My resurrection life will, will, will rid your life of that thing, will cause that depression to dissipate and disappear. Who I am is relevant to every issue that you face. See, Jesus never wanted to be off in the distance in our lives. He never wanted to be a statue that we worship. He wants to be our living, breathing God, the one that we look to to meet our needs, the one that we look to to change and solve the issues that we face. Let's take a look at verse 32. Verse 32. Then when Mary came, and this is the sister of Martha, she came where Jesus was and she saw him and she falls down at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Look at verse 35, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. I believe there are two reasons that Jesus wept here. One, that he was touched with their grief, that he loved Lazarus. He loved him, and he was grieved that he had died, and he loved Mary and Martha, and he was grieved that they went through such a horrible situation. He loved the Jewish people that were there, and, he, and I believe there was another reason as well. I believe that he was grieved that they didn't know him as the resurrection and the life. I believe he was grieved that they put him off in the future instead of knowing him right now. I believe that he was grieved that he wasn't an integral part of their belief, of their faith, of their daily lives. So he weeps in verse 35. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. You got to know God feels what you're feeling. That he, when you're hurting, he's hurting. Yeah. That God knows the pain that you go through. And I remember uh, growing up in, in my family, I was hurting so bad because of the pain that was in my home. Sometimes I just put my head in my pillow and I just scream because of all the stuff that was inside, the things that were going on in my house. And it was at the age of 19 I began to realize that God felt what I felt, that God wanted to heal my pain. And on Easter Sunday... You've got to know that God wants to heal your pain. Whatever you've been through. And there are times in my life I thought I would never see the next day because of what was inside of me, the pain that I felt. But it's when I look to Him that His amazing love, His right now love, came inside of me by His Holy Spirit and fixed what needed to be fixed and put my broken heart back together again. And He's here today to do that for you. So the Jews said, see how he loved him in verse 37. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Here again, now they're questioning the resurrection life of Jesus, right? Who says he's not there to raise him up? Verse 36, and look, right after they question his character again, then Jesus again groaning in himself. 
I think that hurt Jesus, that they're questioning again his motives and his character. And he groans again in himself in verse 38, and he comes to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, he says, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who, who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus says to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You see, God's love is so amazing. His glory is so amazing, it takes the stench out of our lives. It takes that dead thing that's been plaguing you for so long. His love comes in and, and makes all things new. And the glory of God will move, will move the things that stink from your life. The glory of God will remove the things that are keeping you down, that are making it difficult for you to get up in the morning. The glory of God does these things. It comes into the dead places of our lives, and it makes those places new. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, I want to encourage you right now to believe in God's amazing love for you to come into your life and make those stinky things new, those dead things, those smelly things, to move them out of the way and bring new life into whatever it is, whether it be your marriage, your family, your job, whatever situation it is, the glory of God is all about making you new. Verse 41, then they look away, excuse me, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now keep in mind, God wasn't standing there visibly, right? He's talking to an unseen God as if he's seen. Why? Because he knew him that well. And so are we to know the unseen God in that way. He says, I know you've heard me, verse 42, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. In other words, I want them to know you the way that I know you. I want them to know that you hear them when they pray. So I'm saying this for their benefit, that they may believe that you sent me. Verse 43, now when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. This is the real Jesus. This is the Jesus that we sing to at Highway Church. This is the Jesus that we're talking about. This is the Jesus who gave us the scriptures by his Holy Spirit to read so that we might know him more. This is the Jesus that we, that we want you to know more every day. He's that amazing. He's that amazing. So when we look at the real Jesus, you know, I, I found that Christianity is not about heaven and hell. Isn't that something? That's what I was made to believe growing up, that it's all about heaven and hell. But it's not. It's about God's amazing love for you today. That's what it's about. His amazing love for you and what you're going through. That He wants to fix it. That He wants to do what needs to be done in your life to make it better. That's what it's about. Good Friday 
great Sunday. See, Friday is the last day of the week before what the Jewish people would call their, shab- their shalom, their, their Shabbat. And when I was in, in Jerusalem on Friday evening, people would walk by and they'd say, Shabbat Shalom, which they're, 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 they're wishing me a good Sabbath, well-being on the Sabbath. So Jesus was crucified on the last day, on the day before the rest, the day before that we rest. And then on the first day of a brand new week, he rose. And that's symbolic because Jesus was the end of the old covenant. He was the end of us trying to go through a system to be right with God. And he was the beginning of a new life with God where, where anyone, no matter who you are, where you've come from, by simply putting your faith in Jesus Christ can be made new, can enter into a relationship with God as your father. Good Friday, great Sunday. And, and though they're well-meaning, oftentimes the body of Christ over the years has been very negative and put the emphasis on the wrong things. And we are so grateful for the cross. But the cross was not the goal of Jesus. It was the means. The resurrection was his goal. Jesus didn't come to die. He came to defeat death so that you could have new life. And so many believers have come to the cross, but they've never gone through the cross. See, we come to the cross and we die, but we're made alive through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been new creatures in Christ Jesus. So if you haven't been to the cross this morning, come. Come to the cross and lay down your life before Him and be crucified with that God may resurrect you. So as Christians, we're all about life. We're about new life. We're about the kind of life that only God can make, the kind of life that only God can generate. And let's look at, Jennifer brought it up earlier, let's look at Galatians 2.20 one more time. Because just like Paul, Paul was a man who didn't grow up knowing Jesus. Paul was a man who was very religious and and an expert in the Scriptures. But he didn't know Jesus. You can be an expert in religion and not know him. But something happened in Paul's life. He had an encounter with the real Jesus. And he gave his life to the real Jesus. He was crucified and God made him new. So in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Now we say with Paul, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And now we say in Romans chapter 6 verse 4, that we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Jesus did not come to die. He came to defeat death. What is death? Most people, when they think of death, is physical death. When our physical body stops. When a person's spirit leaves their body, their body will stop. The heart stops beating. The physical body needs the spirit to live. 
But there is a greater death. It's a death that we all know. It's separation from God. And that's what the scriptures teach us, what, what spiritual death really is. It's when your spirit and God's spirit have become separated. And that's happened to all of us because of sin. All of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the goodness and glory of God. And all of us have been separated from Him. But the amazing news of Easter is you don't have to spend one more day separate from God. That your spirit doesn't have to be separate from Him anymore because Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin for you. So that right now you, regardless of how bad your life has been or how many mistakes you've made, God loves you and He's made an atonement for your sins that right now you could put your faith in Jesus Christ and every single mistake you've made every single sin you've committed will be washed clean with the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit just like he did on the third day in hell raised up Jesus he will raise up you in Jesus name good Friday great Sunday this message, we're going to continue next Sunday. It's a three-part message. Because we want you to uh, know that the, the, the resurrection of Jesus then has everything to do with your life now. And we want to help you on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday where you're going through your real life. We want to help you apply, experience the resurrection life in, in, your, in your friendships, on your job, when you're um, in school, or whatever it is you're involved with. So come back next Sunday, and we're going to grow in this, okay? We're going to grow because Jesus wants you to grow in his love for you. He wants his love to be a very real reality. At Highway Church, we want you to know that Jesus did not come to die but to defeat death, to end our separation from God and bring us into new life and living relationship with Him. We encourage you to put your trust in Him and let that new life begin today. In Jesus' name, amen.